0: His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. Your love oh boy, did it feel good to get together and worship. Felt good to just get together, you know. Man, what a week. Teresa's always, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> we send the thing out, you know, checking with leadership, you know, it's like, you guys think we ought to cancel, you know, ICE, you know, can we all ice skate to church? What do you, what do you think? And uh, she gets those notices and she sent me an email. She goes, I always cancel when I go on trips. I said, I didn't do the weather. <laughs> anyway, um, I want to thank all of you guys for uh, praying for her and holding her up in prayer this week while she's been uh, down in uh, Nicaragua. Uh, it's. It's awesome, uh, and you guys send her on these trips and stuff. It, you know, we're in a small county, and we're not that large of a church, you know. But man, we've sown into all kinds of nations. Do you realize that with these trips, you know, that uh, we've sown into those things, you know? And and uh, to me, it's like tithing, you know, when you sew into something. But God has just given us a privilege, and it's been a privilege to send her uh, and to sew into whatever work's going on there. She said that uh, um, she comes home uh, to Indianapolis, uh, gets in about quarter after five today. I'll pick her up. Uh, And I don't know if you guys, you guys get on Facebook and see her pictures on Facebook and stuff. Nice looking feet. (laughs) Uh, For those of you who just saw that video she did. Yeah, and the sun, but. she, uh, she told me she is so excited to come back and share uh, about this trip. So you'll, you'll wanna be here next Sunday. She's gonna, she said, this has been a life-changing trip. She's been on a lot of trips. She said, this one was life-changing. And so she said, I am so excited to, to share uh, from this one. And to me, I, you know I was blown away uh, by just, um, we've been emailing back and forth, you know, which has been really nice, but, um, uh, to re- to see these women rescued out of sex trafficking, you know, and this ministry is kind of cool. Uh, they, they have a four year course that these girls go through, you know, and once they come through that course, uh. Every graduate gets their own house, free and clear, that they give to them. So they, because a lot of them have to get into that trafficking because they're they're selling their bodies just because they need food. They're starving, you know. And so they give them a, a house. And it's not, it's not like what we would call a house. But uh, Teresa said the poverty has been just overwhelming. It. She said I have a hard time wrapping my mind around uh, the poverty that's there and stuff. Uh, but man, she just, she, I'm excited to hear everything she's going to share. And, uh, the couple that runs, uh, some of that ministry down there, um, uh, I think it's Mike and April. She said, they're just an awesome couple, you know, uh, they just have such a heart for those girls and I I think they've planted a few churches down in there and stuff but anyway that was keep praying that she has a she should be landing in Miami right now and so she'll lay over about two and two hours and 45 minutes and then be flying pray for a smooth flight from Miami to Indianapolis you know we were praying this morning because there was storms down in the Gulf you know and and stuff but the Lord has given her strength through this whole thing. You know, my prayer for the last couple days was that she'd be able to finish strong. And uh, so she was She was exhausted, and she said there's just not been any downtime at all, except uh, Saturday you saw uh, afternoon there was some downtime. She looked like she was probably asleep on that lounge chair by that lake. So, well... I love I love the theme that God's doing this morning. You know, worship. Uh it's all about Him. And um uh, just, uh, you know, Trent, even your word on the tithing and stuff like that, you know. The ability to worship in a low place, worship in a place of lack, I think means more to the Lord than when you're super abundantly blessed. And going, God, we just thank you. Thank you that, that we're just so blessed. We're not sure what to do with all this. And maybe we've never hit that point. But you know what I'm talking about? But when you're in a place of like, God, I really feel this need right now. And you can worship. That worship has a higher value on it, I believe, in God's eyes. Than, than when everything's going our way. It's easy to thank God when everything's going your way. You know, okay, well, let's see, we'll start out with Luke, um, Luke 10, and um, first verse, this was kind of, Lord was just, I, this just kind of stuck out to me, this verse, and it started, and, just, and so for the last uh, about four days, we've just kind of been mauling this over with the Lord and he's just kind of been giving me some more stuff. So I wanted to share it this morning. Um, I had some thoughts. And we'll uh, <coughs> read first verse one on, and chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. He sent these 70 before his face into every city and place that he was about to go. I want you to get that. He was about to go to some places, and he sent this 70 out. I was thinking that, um, you know, he, he tells them about the harvest being great, and so he sends them out, as a chef tastes what he's cooked, says, hmm, I think it needs a little bit more salt. We're that salt of the earth. And, I, and I, God's a chef. What if God tasted the flavor over an area? Have you ever thought about that? And he thought, hmm, needs a little more salt. And so he sprinkles some of his kids in that area. How many of you guys have heard, uh, you know, there was a common phrase down there where Teresa was at. She shared, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I've heard that so much. People who live in an area and all of a sudden, you know, maybe they grow up in an area and they go, can any good come out of this area? You know, everybody, you've heard that. Same down there. She said, I heard the phrase, somebody said, can any good ever come out of Nicaragua? And I said, oh, my gosh, maybe this is more universal than just our local area. So I think God, as a creator of the earth, looks over the earth and he goes, he hears the cry. And and these are his people, you know, that are crying this out. God, can any good come out of this place? It seems so dark. It seems so uh, empty, so so void of anything good. The economy down there in Nicaragua is so bad. You know what the average income is for that nation? In 2015, the average income was $1,900 a year. 1900 a year. You know, the interpreter that uh, Teresa had on her trip, uh, she makes, uh, what was it? ten dollars a day like ten dollars a day and April the the wife of the uh, her and her husband have the ministry they want to work there's just no work you know it's huge on coffee you know coming out of Nicaragua but it there's just no there's just no work it's it's not like they're lazy and there there's no health care you know Teresa said there is no health care down here in this area, where they're at, and uh, so that's why you find these issues of people doing being desperate just to provide food, you know, to be able to eat. But uh, April, the lady on uh, the well, heads of this ministry, she hires a guy to dig a ditch. I'm not sure she really needs the ditch. Pays him ten bucks a day, and he's thrilled to get the ten bucks, you know. And I, she said. We don't even have a clue the way these people are living and on what lack really is. And I thought, this is good for us. It's good for us to see that kind of, to you know, because it's like, how many times do you get mad at God if it's like, doggone it, I wanted, to, I wanted to buy this and I didn't have quite the money for it. And you got somebody down there going, Ugh, if I could just... Get a meal a day, you know, would be a blessing. And I know you can't help where you live. You know what I'm saying? But my heart cry began to be for those people. God, and there's something that could be done with the economy that per, begin to provide jobs, begin to provide work, some, some, open something up to where some opportunities would come around where people that want to work could work. You know, and and provide for themselves and their families. Anyway. So, God has sprinkled. Maybe God's put you in different areas to where uh, he he decided there needed to be a little bit more salt. It might be in relationships. It might be in your job. It might be... uh, everywhere you're at is a place that the presence of the Lord wants to abide everywhere you're currently at is a place where he says I wanted salt put into that place because I wanted the flavored you know what salt does it enhances the flavor of something that's already resident there and that's what we do when we come in to bring his praises it brings to life and it brings an enhancement to the flavor of the kingdom of God in an area that's already there. It just, he wants to have praise. He wants to have worship, adoration. The whole, the whole thing on worship this morning was cool. Ethan, I loved your words you shared. It was just so good on worship is the key. Worship's the key. You don't, you don't read about uh, the angels in heaven going through teaching class or they're preaching or what, you know what I'm saying? It's Every time you hear about heaven, it's worship. Every time you hear about it, it's worship. Worship is the atmosphere of heaven. So I think God wants, if we're saying, Lord, let your kingdom come, on let your will be done on this earth, just like it's done in heaven. I think he wants worship in obscure places. I think he wants worship in places to where it needs a little bit more salt. And that is, and that's what our lives are to be. You know, maybe put you in a, maybe put you in a job that's difficult and you got a boss. that's like, man, I can't hardly stand working in this place. But maybe, what if the Lord put you there because he wants to see some, he sprinkled some salt, you're the salt, and he wants to see praise and adoration come out of that place. You know what? If if everything is, if your job is blessed and it's like you know they give me promotions left and right, raises when I don't even looking for them, and a company car, and it's just it's just wonderful. No, I don't have to work three days a week. Hallelujah! Bless you, Jesus, for your goodness. It didn't cost a whole lot to do that. But when you have some another situation that's totally opposite of that, and you begin to lift up praise and honor and say, God. This is I'm trusting you for the grace to get through hour by hour in this situation because this is tough. Okay, it's tough. But Jesus, you live in me and you said that all sufficiency, everything I need is in you. So I want to bless you in the midst of this situation. I want to bless your name. I'm going to worship you and that you won't have that opportunity in heaven. You realize that? Your housing's already taken care of. Jesus said he has plenty of room in his father's mansion for you. And he's been working on it. He was going to prepare a place for you. He's been working on it 2,000 years. And I think he's probably a pretty good carpenter. So there's not going to be an issue like that in heaven. But to praise him in difficult situations. Wow. Wow worship and adoration. It is just so important. And what is, what's the one thing that the enemy attacks in our lives when difficult situations happen? Our worship. He wants to shut down the worship, shut down the praise and adoration that comes out of our lives to the Lord. You know, I'll tell you another thing that's hard to worship in is uh, when you feel like life's just kind of boring. You know, maybe we haven't experienced that in a while, but when things are just, eh, it just feels like it's kind of worship changes that, worship changes that. Well, so I'm what I'm seeing is out of that verse. I thought it was kind of cool that God sent. I, and I started thinking, so what kind of places were these? What was going on in these cities? And these areas that Jesus sent the 70 to the disciples and that he was about to come to, you know, you remember when um, Andrew went and got his brother, Nathaniel, when they first found Jesus, you know, John the Baptist. And he goes, hey, we found the Messiah, It's Jesus of Nazareth. What was Nathaniel's response? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? We know what kind of place that is. It's a podunk out of the way, non-important. Any good ever come out of there? Jesus grew up there. And, he, and Joseph was directed by an angel to go there. Do you think God wanted to see something good come out of Nazareth? You think what God was saying was, I, we need a little more salt in Nazareth. I'm going to send my son there. Can any good come out of it? So it's not a new phrase been around forever what kind of cities were these places what you know what kind of issues were going on there thinking God had a purpose in sending them there you know I was looking at the destiny that God has for each one of our lives you know in Psalm 139 he talks about that uh, before we were ever formed he saw us he knew us and as we were knit together in our mother's womb he saw us, and he wrote every one of our days we would live in his book before we were ever born and before we ever lived one of them. Isn't that incredible? And so God has a destiny for every one of us. And I, you know what? It, ha- and it has to do with location. When God calls and plants, and what the destiny that God puts on your life can't be done someplace else. How many of you would have liked to see your destiny fulfilled in Hawaii? You know, what I'm saying it's like, but God called you to here. He's called you to the current place you're at right now. Where you're at right now is the destiny that God has on you. You know, and he may change that, but it's his direction that moves you out to things. Anyway, um. Uh, I was thinking about these areas. Well, the seventy they come back in verse seventeen, and they turn, they come back with joy, and they said, "Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name." And he told them, he said, "Look, don't be, don't be overtaken with that the demons are subject in my name, but be, be more thankful that your names are written in heaven. Concentrate on that, because we can get caught up in the, in the stuff that that happens because." Uh, you can get caught up in miracles, signs and wonders and all of that. And God wants those things following us, but the r- real focus needs to be, uh, ah, my name's in heaven. My father knows me. I know who I am. I believe that's why this past season has been so strong on, uh, knowing who we are in Christ, knowing who we are in him and having our identity solid, because if you don't have your identity solid, you won't be good salt. It'll be like, well, I'm not really sure. I probably deserved it. You won't be worshiping in difficult situations. You won't be praising him and adoring him in those. You'll be saying and thinking somehow in the back of your mind, yeah, you probably deserve it because you're not so sure the Father's good to you. It's good to everybody else, but maybe not to you. That's why identity has been so important in uh, knowing who that He's a good Father and that we're His kids and that he loves us and he's proud of us you know what um it's an interesting thing but uh, in first kings chapter 18 elijah has just confronted the prophets of baal you know and, and that whole story of uh prophets of baal and and uh just a miraculous demonstration of God's power, you know, sending fire down, consuming the altar and uh, the sacrifice on the altar. Well, uh, after that, you know, uh, Queen Jezebel threatened him and said, You know, he slaughtered 450 prophets of Baal, you know, and Jezebel the next day, she goes, um, May this stuff happen to me and more also if I don't make your life like one of theirs by this time tomorrow. In other words, I'm taking your head off, Elijah. And so Elijah left. And he goes, and so you see him uh, in the next chapter, chapter 19, you see him down in the southern part of Israel, you know, and he's, you know, you guys know the story where he's going. uh, He keeps running, and God finally says, "What what are you doing here, Elijah? And he's like, I've been faithful. I can, can you ever, can you relate to this? I'm faithful, doing what you called me to do. I did this. I've, you know, I've, I've got, I've, I've obeyed you. And, and now uh, she's wanting to kill me. I'm the only one left. I'm the only one following you. You know, God's response was, I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee. I've still got kids up there. But here was my point in this. He said, "He he said, I'm running away and I'm tired. I'm worn out." And God said, "I want you going back. I'm not done with you yet." His destiny wasn't down there, 65 miles. Imagine traveling 65 miles by foot. You know, we're like, "This car ride's getting kind of long. Try try walking it." You know, Elijah, and so God says, no, go back. I've still got stuff for you to do. His destiny was back in that part of Israel. God had things for him to do. You know what? It's amazing to me, but God, how his ability to get us where he wants us to be is is incredible to me you know, we may, and it may take a a road here and there, but then bam, but you end up, and you know what the witnesses, you know, uh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where God has placed me. This is what he's, this is what he's doing anyway. So Elijah has to go back and finish all that stuff. The thing with the 70 got to looking at that. And I thought, 70 disciples sent out so i'm thinking about our lives and how god got us down here you know going through maine for you know three years and then coming down here wasn't a it was we felt like we were supposed to but we came down to help my brother-in-law build his house for the first year we didn't come down to plant a church we didn't come down to you know, and we get done doing that and it's like, but we but we knew we were supposed to be here. And uh, and it doesn't matter that you have skid marks, God pulling you along and sliding into where he wants you to be, that doesn't matter. What matters is, did he get you there? <laughs> did he get you there? And then it's, and you know, Teresa's big prayer was God, we just want to be known as a Christian family. Is it? Wow, that's full of destiny. But God had all this other stuff already in the works, already in the plan. you know And I remember when started I remember Teresa going, things fell apart in my brother-in-law's fellowship type of thing. It was just it was just a little house meeting and just kind of was going weird it felt like yeah we're not anyway and Teresa goes I feel like we're supposed to go to the Christian church I'm like we have not been in a denominational church since the Jesus movement before I knew you what are you talking I just feel like we're supposed to go what haven't it's like yeah okay we'll go you know who was there in that class Diana Curry and Kim We end up going to Sunday school. Sunday school. I haven't been to Sunday school since I was a little kid. I feel like we're supposed to go to Sunday school too. Are you serious? But you know what? Trisha was open to hear that type of stuff, and I wasn't. (laughs) I just was not. I'd rebuke it. (laughs) Devil, get behind me. We are not heading down that path. You know? god wanted us in there and we went there for like what five four years went there for four years developed a really it's like god began to knit our hearts together with people you know josh's parents were were in that class we met them you know Josh joshua we like what 12 years old got seven you've always been old for your age anyway The point is, God had a destiny for our lives to be connected together and to walk together. You know, it wasn't something that we like, wow, I just had a vision. Teresa had this little feeling. God begins to connect your lives with people as you're walking down the path that you end up being, God's called us to walk out our destinies together. Wow. So I saw, you know, God kind of took us and kind of, chink, 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 bam, you got us there, you know, and you know what we did before we went, before we went to the Christian church, we actually prayed about Australia, Michael, we, we all of a sudden, you know, we tried and tried, we'd sold a house on contract, I told you guys this story where we wanted to, it's like they couldn't get financed to re, you know, finance and pay it off, until the point where we're ready to build a house, and bam, all of a sudden, miraculously, the financing came through, and we got the money. And it was like, God held on to that, because he, he knew. And it was the exact amount we needed. And we our heart was for missions, you know, and we, we prayed. We were going to do YWAM in Australia and jump off for Asia, you know. And we had, the money that we had was enough to take our family to Australia. And that was it. We could have got there. It would have been a one way ticket. And so we offered all of that up to the Lord. God if you want us to take this house money and do that. We'll, we'll do that. And he clearly said. No. That's not what I have for you. It's like. Okay. We'll build a house then. <laughs> but the point is this. You may have a different destiny. Than. What you thought in your minds I was going to be an architect because they made a lot of money Right God has a destiny for each one of you and you're probably in it right now You are while well, you are in it. You're in part of it. It may For you younger ones it may Change and you know like Michael you're gonna be going you're working on going back to Australia You know that God has ways of Bringing destinies about, but he needs our hearts to say, Jesus, get me where you want me to be. Just get me where you want me to be. And he'll get you there. And it may not make sense. It may not look like it makes sense at the time. You know, I'm always leery of someone who has a totally laid out plan for their life. Has, any, has that ever worked? I've got my five-year plan, my 10-year plan, and I'm going to get married at this age, and I'm going to have kids, and I'm going to nah, 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 nah. and it's like, the world does that, but I'm not so sure as believers, when we really follow the Lord, that it falls in line like that, you know, I'm not saying it can't, but for the most part, my experience has been that it's like, well, God, I'm going to take a step here, and I'm going to trust you to get me where you want me to be, and then you look back and go, Oh, my gosh. This is exactly it. You know what? When you step into it, it's like there's something in your spirit and in your heart that goes, oh, man, this is where I belong. This is where I belong. It's home. It's home because it's his home for you. Anyway, I and I don't think, you know, I don't think, you know, down the road what your destiny is going to look like. At all. Wanted to read to you in uh, the School of Ministry. We're doing uh, Heidi's uh, and Roland's book on training for the harvest, and uh, it's it is so good. You know, uh, this is Heidi's testimony of getting into her destiny on uh, page 97. It said, I became a born again Christian at the age of 16 while serving as an American field service student on an Indian reservation in Mississippi. When I returned home to Laguna Beach, my parents and teachers didn't know what to do with me. Suddenly, I didn't fit. I was a Pentecostal holiness teenager in a town that had no formal denominational churches. My parents tried to send me to a psychiatrist to try and deprogram me, but I refused to go. At the time, I was enrolled in a special program at Laguna Beach High School. It was a special school for creative people. We sat around on pillows and drank herbal tea. Sounds like California, doesn't it? People would come to school high on drugs, which was okay. But Pentecostal holiness was definitely not okay to come to school on. (laughs) To make matters worse, I was severely dyslexic. My teacher at the time didn't like me and was actually quite mean to me. She would mock my efforts to spell Dyslexics have trouble spelling and was constantly telling me that I would never go to university. She told me to forget about going to college. The only thing I was fit for was vocational school. She's sharing that here, but that is not a put down to vocational school. Just wanted to say that. Whole situation was a recipe for an orphan spirit. But thankfully my parents were very loving and affirming of everything but my christian faith and so i was able to manage and one day about two or three months after my born again experience i was powerfully healed of the dyslexia suddenly i was able to read perfectly and i became a speed reader that amazing during my born again experience god spoke to me telling me i was to be a minister and a missionary who would go to africa asia and england It's amazing getting that kind of a call and it's like, okay, but now the path, you know, it's like God says, here's what you're going to be out here, but he doesn't show you usually the path to get there. It's because it takes faith. I couldn't quite wrap my mind around the word and with no one to counsel me in the things of God, I headed in another direction with the words of my teacher, go to vocational school ringing in my ears and a word from a well-meaning minister that I should be a nurse. I headed to nursing school via a vocational program. I thought I was doing the right thing. I went through nursing school, graduated, but had absolutely no aptitude for nursing. It was pitiful, really. Nowadays, I don't even like to tell people I'm a nurse because it isn't what God intended for me. Imagine if I tried to go to Africa as a nurse. I would have missed my destiny entirely. Tried to squish myself into a box that wasn't right for me, but thanks be to God that He showed me my true destiny. <laughs> you know what? Isn't that cool though? I mean, that Heidi's just a perfect example of heading down. God gives her a calling, and then heads down an area. You know, her and Roland went through that thing where they ended up being missionaries, but they struggled for like seventeen years on the mission field. Uh, you know, just they were they had three churches planted, and they were struggling. You know, she'll tell you she's just struggling all of that till she has her encounter at uh, Toronto, and uh, just that whole thing of God just laid her out, encountered her, changed her, put stuff in her that she needed, and then all of a sudden they go back, and you know, Randy Clark was actually preaching there, and he just said uh and Heidi was out on the floor you know and he just asked her he said do you want the nation of Mozambique and it was God asking her you know and she goes yes and so God gives them the nation of Mozambique they'd already been to England they'd already been to all those other places that God told her she was going to go to you know Mozambique was the poorest uh, country in Africa poorest the poorest And it was like God is still sending people into those can anything good come out of places. And look what's happened. Look what's happened with their ministry. Tens of thousands of churches that that have just exploded and planted and and leaders and people going all over the world out of their their base and, and stuff. God knew what he was after when he was taking her through all those you know? Do you know they're building a hospital down there now? They, I mean, she's she's got she's been to, here was this dyslexic kid, never going to go to university. She has, I think, a couple of PhDs. You know that she's gone through college in because God told her to, they have a university and they're building a hospital. And it's like there's changes happening in Mozambique, but it's because someone allowed God to do his destiny through them and put them as salt in an area to see changes come about, to praise him in the midst of it, to walk through hard times and say, God, you're enough in this place. Anyway, I wanted to share that with you guys. So I think, you know, just like Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Bethlehem was, no, it's like, you're. it's a, it's a, Bethlehem was a side note. It's like you could almost say, could anything good come out of Bethlehem? Jesus is born there, goes to Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus comes from Nazareth. Do you get the picture of what's, what's happening here? So I wanted to share with you guys about the 70 that he sent out. You ever think about them? What happened to them? What, what destinies did they You know, was it just like, yeah, cool, I was one of the 70, Jesus sent us out. Yeah, it was a fun time, but I've gone on to other things. Do you think maybe their lives were affected after that? They came back and said, wow, even demons are subject in your name. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but be thrilled that your names are written in heaven. And so when Jesus sends somebody to do something, there's things that happen. So I've been reading Romans in the Passion Bible and on the, this is amazing, I did not know this, on the 16th chapter of Romans, you know, it's it's, it's the last of, uh, it's the last chapter of Romans, and what Paul's doing is he's, uh, he's going through and he's thanking all these, you know, the 16th chapter has all the names in it, you know, I want to thank so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so, and it just goes on and on, it's like, you know, we might have a couple people to thank, and here's Paul just doing, thinking. It must be 25 people in there that he's thinking in that chapter. And it's like, God, why is this in the Bible? You know? He could have just said chapter 16. Hey, thanks, to all See ya. You know? It, and so, Brian Simmons in the Passion Translation has put down at the bottom all, you know, I all the notes, you know, study notes and all that kind of stuff. And here's what I found. It's, uh, I'll just read you a few of these. Let's see. Some of the, uh, well, let's see. Okay, epinatus. He was one of them. He was uh, he was the first convert that came from Achia, a region of Greece. And so, he wasn't one of the seventy. So it has nothing to do with what I just told you. I was going to read you. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Apollotus It's in verse 8 Verse 8, 16 um, The Eastern Orthodox Church Recognizes him As one of the 70 disciples Whom Jesus sent out He is believed to have become The Bishop of Bulgaria Do you think he knew that When Jesus first sent him out And he was amazed At the demons being subject In his name He was one of the 70 That Jesus sent out uh, or uh, Stasis. Let's see. How do Stacus? Anyway, he was said to be in one of the seventy disciples Jesus sent out. He eventually became the B- bishop of Byzantine. There's another one. <laughs> or uh, Astrobolus. Uh, traditionally, he's known as one of the seventy disciples Jesus sent out, and he brought the gospel to Britain. I was amazed. I thought, "Oh, that's why all these names are in there." Okay, this is interesting. Uh, Herodian. <laughs> he was he was traditionally considered as one of Jesus's seventy disciples. He later became the bishop of Neoparthia, which is modern-day Iraq, where he was beaten to death by the Jews, but was resurrected and continued to preach the gospel. You think it takes a little bit of praise and adoration in your life after getting beaten to death, and God raised him back up because he wasn't done with him? (laughs) You would... eh. It's believed that he was eventually beheaded in Rome on the same day Peter was martyred. Uh, Let's see. I'm scrolling down till I see the ones that are... Okay. Phlegon, he was considered to be one of the 70 disciples Jesus sent out. The Orthodox Church recognized him recognizes him as an apostle, became the bishop of Marathon in Thrace. Uh, Hermes, he was considered to be one of the 70 sent out by Jesus and later became the bishop of Dalmatia. Uh, Petrobus, he was considered one of the 70 sent out by Jesus and later became the bishop of Naples. Hermas, he was one of the 70 and he later became the bishop of bulgaria and <laughs> it said there was interesting tradition surrounding hermas it said that he was very wealthy man but he fell into poverty because of his sins he was visited by an angel of repentance who accompanied him for the rest of his life until he was martyred god wasn't done with him so you're not going to write destiny here buddy i'm gonna send you an angel Aren't you amazed by the 70 turning out to have such a destiny on their lives, you know? Here was one, Uh, Olympus was mentioned in here. He was an apostle uh, who was mentioned by Peter and was beheaded the same day Peter was martyred in Rome. He wasn't one of the 70, though. Oh, Jason, he also appears in Acts 17. Remember when Paul uh, uh, was having an uproar and uh, they yanked Jason out or, you know, saying Jason's out? This is that same Jason that Paul's thinking in Romans 16. Uh, it said, uh, Tradition states that Jason was one of the 70 disciples sent out by Jesus and he was appointed the bishop of Tarsus by Paul. According to church tradition, he was recognized as one of the 70 disciples, and uh, he also became the bishop of Iconium. Tertius, Tertius, the copyist for Paul, the one that wrote Romans, you know, said, I, I'm writing this. He was recognized in church history as one of the 70 that Jesus sent out. He became the bishop of Iconium, after Sosipater was eventually martyred. So he just mentions a couple more in there, but I'm amazed. It's like, I never thought that about the 70. I thought they were just out, back in, and we never hear from them again. God had destinies on their lives, and they ended up taking the gospel and being more, and I, and I think when he first sent them out, I don't think he told them, he says, you know, one day you're going to take the gospel to Britain. They would have said, where you know, what are you talking about? It's because God, the Holy Spirit leads us step by step. And I think the, that he doesn't lay it all out in a plan because it takes faith. It takes faith. But no matter where you're at in your destiny, no matter what situation you're in, he always wants worship. Worship changes the atmosphere in the place that you're at. And I believe that you come into your destiny even quicker when there's praise and worship for whatever situation you're in. Because I think if you're grumbling and complaining, he leaves you there longer till you learn to praise, till you learn to worship. I, it's been the case in my life, and I'm tired of being in those places, I'll tell you. God, don't you see? Okay, I'll worship. Hey, that's what I had today. I just uh, I want to encourage you in wherever you're at, you know, with to, to worship, and that as you trust him, he will get you where you need to be. If it's someplace different, he will lead you, and he will get you there. You don't have to be fretting about it. You serve him, you love him, you honor him, you worship where you're at where you're at so if you guys want to stand we're going to pray father i want to thank you that uh, we can trust you with our futures we can trust you with our present you've already taken care of our past and you're blind to it i love that so father we just tell you that we want to worship you in every place you put us God, if you've put us out as salt, we're all salt somewhere. Lord, let let us enhance the flavor that you desire out of the areas that you've planted us. God, let worship and adoration so rise up to you that the atmosphere around us is heavenly and it changes atmospheres that are contrary to that. God, influence lives around us. Let us be uh, everything you've called us to be in those areas. God, I pray you, Lord, just bless your people today. And God, we just, Lord, we just God, we want to also lift up Ron and Brenda right now, God, and just ask that you would just, God, I pray for a wraparound presence of you around their home. God, that you're, you be the atmosphere in that place. You be the presence in there. And God, that you give them grace. And Lord, I know uh, Brenda's mom knows you. So, God, we ask you for mercy, God, that uh, there be uh, grace on her, Lord, until you take her home. But, God, we ask you for grace on Ron and Brenda as they're caring for her and have her in, in their home, God. Jesus, we just love them so much, and we thank you for them. And we just thank you for your goodness to all of us, Lord. You've gotten our lives connected with brothers and sisters that you wanted to walk in this earth with, God. We thank you for that. Lord bless your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To you.